0: From Washington, I'm David Schultz, and this is Talking Tax. If you were combing through the budget proposal President Biden released last week, and let's face it, who wasn't? You might have noticed something familiar. The president wants to revive the child tax credit that was implemented during the COVID crisis and then allowed to expire. The odds that this will actually come to pass are probably slim, though, given the divided nature of Congress at the moment. But if nothing's happening at the federal level, things are different in the states. To date, 11 states have adopted their own child tax credits, and today we're going to be talking with the comptroller of one of those states, Connecticut. Sean Scanlon was elected to his first term as comptroller last year, and before that he was a member of the Connecticut House where he chaired its finance committee. Bloomberg tax reporter Donna Borak spoke to Scanlon from his office in Hartford about why he thinks a child tax credit is the best way to help lower income families. And he also talks about why he was glad to see a child tax credit in the
1: president's proposal. Well, the president is fond of saying that budgets are a reflection of a government's morality, uh, and that is a reflection of the fact that he knows firsthand. Uh, that those policies will make a difference in cutting child poverty in this country, not because he just believes it, though I know he does, but because the data shows that that is what would happen if we reinstitute those policies. Under his plan, uh, the Rescue Act, six months of those payments going out to families across this country literally cut child poverty in America in half in six months' time. I was really glad to see that in the president's budget. And uh, there will be some people who, of course, who push back Um, But to me, the idea that we can push back on eliminating child poverty in America through a tax credit uh, is just unconscionable and uh, something that is an unfortunate reality of Washington, which is why um, I've worked so hard here in Connecticut to try to get this done at the state level, given the gridlock that exists in Washington.
2: Last year, Democratic leaders certainly tried um, but failed at those efforts. Do you think that enough has changed economically, either due to persistently high inflation, the rise in in borrowing costs, that maybe there'll be some greater bipartisan support this time around to provide the relief for families.
1: Well, listen, you ask anybody who got those payments in 2021 whether they helped or not, and every single one of them would tell you that they did. Um, Every single constituent of every single member of Congress, Democrat and Republican, uh, benefited from these child tax credit payments uh, and the fact that we expanded that. And what's worse for people that they don't realize is that the expansion under the Trump tax cut actually goes away in 2025. So um, we could see a reality in which somebody was getting $3,600 of benefit in 2021, and that could go down to $1,000 in 2025, unless the president acts or unless the states act. And to me, um, that's just not a reality that we want to see in America. Um, we've been going through a difficult time here with inflation. Uh, we're trying our best to get that under control at the federal level, but states are now stepping up to act because they want to make inflation less bad for families.
2: So one of the impacts of the fact that the, the federal um, child tax credit expired is that many states, as you mentioned, about 30 or so, have moved forward with their own version of the federal earned income tax credit. And then 11 states have enacted their own child tax credit. You know, adding to that, I mean, can you talk about the response and perhaps the, the, the necessity of states having to move so quickly in this direction?
1: Well, I was a congressional aide for 10 years for uh, Chris Murphy, who is one of our United States Senator here in Connecticut. And I know firsthand the agonizing pace at which Washington moves. uh, And in recent years, the gridlocked pace that they don't move in. Uh, And so myself and other people who were watching that said, you know what, Um, we can't wait for Washington to figure this out because the chances are uh, they may not be able to figure it out. It's up to us to act. And that's why I think you're seeing states act in this way the challenge, though, is we don't necessarily have the same amount of money that the federal government has to make this work. Um, I introduced a tax credit in 2021 that was $600 per child, up to three children. When you do that together, if you had two kids, that's pretty much only half of what you're getting from the federal benefit altogether. We wish we could do more, but states' budgets are much more limited. Uh, and But we're trying to do something within our means to deliver real tax relief to working class families.
2: So you were the first to introduce um, the Child Tax Credit Program, as I understand, and I've heard that this is your number one passion. Um, Firstly, how did you come to the issue and why is this something that Connecticut hadn't pursued prior to 2021?
1: Well, I was raised by a single mom and uh, my mom ran a small business and after my folks split up, my mom got a job. She had no college education. She had no business, you know, a resume to speak of in, in recent years and she put together a small business that literally put food on the table and put, uh, you know, clothes on my back. And I saw my mom struggle quite a bit when I was growing up. And I know firsthand what that benefit would have meant to her uh, if she was raising me in this day and age. And the challenges that she faced are worse for people today than they were back in the 80s when I was growing up. And so um, I know what it's like to come from a family that's trying to live paycheck to paycheck. And it's very hard. And there's a lot of people in our state that are doing that. And so when I became chair of the tax committee in 2021, I asked a number of people, you know, what's the most transformational thing that I can do to try to make it better for those kind of people in the state? And person after person said a child tax credit. You know, it's very expensive to raise a child uh, in this country. Here in Connecticut, it's especially expensive because it's a high cost of living state. Um, whether it's child care, food, diapers, wipe, clothing, rent, uh, in, in some cases, uh, you know, the cost of raising a child and paying for daycare in this state is 75% of the cost of what a minimum wage worker earns in the state just for childcare alone. Um, If I can try to make that better by partnering with my colleagues on both sides of the aisle here in Connecticut to pass a child tax credit, I thought that it would be a transformational policy and that's why I I first introduced it.
2: So you mentioned earlier, your target had been to provide families with $600 the, the tax rebate that was passed was for 250. Can you talk about even just having the 250, what the immediate impact is that you saw and why did that number end up lower than, than what you had been hoping for?
1: Well, when I introduced it in 2021, there was a lot of people who were saying, we don't need to do this because the feds are going to act. Let's just wait and see what happens with the president, with the Congress. Um, and I, like I said, knew better and knew that despite their best efforts, uh, it, it was going to be very tough to to reinstitute that plan, and so um, was able to pass it the first year. But then in the second year, once it became clear that Senator Manchin was not going to go for, uh, you know, the the reauthorization of it, and that it was not going to happen, especially going into an election year, it became harder and harder for my colleagues to deny the reality that you know we had a a, a very good opportunity in our own hands to try to deliver this relief, albeit less than. Uh, of course I would have liked to see in the original proposal certainly less than the the child tax credit at the federal level expansion-wise. And so we were able to settle on 250 because that's what uh, we were able to afford in balancing that budget in 2022. I was able to work with the governor and uh, my fellow colleagues in the legislature, again, on a bipartisan basis uh, to get that done. And over 183 kids, 1,000 kids in Connecticut uh, and their families benefited from that payment
2: um can you talk a little bit the the rebate expired um and and why was that was that set to be just for a year-long program or what were the circumstances
1: well connecticut's finances have turned around in the last couple years in a way that we've not experienced in a very long time Um, and we now have had five consecutive years of budget surpluses after a decade in which between the 08 financial collapse and 2018, we saw persistent budget deficits. Uh, the governor, the previous governor's budget secretary said that we were in a state of permanent fiscal crisis. Uh, and there were a lot of people who, uh, while we're doing better, are a little bit worried about what happens if we go back and are we having a tax policy that's built on sustainability? Because what was happening a lot in Connecticut and what happens a lot in other states in the country is politicians make these big promises. They start these programs and then the first sign of bad trouble, they scale them back. Uh, and that's not what makes predictability for citizens, for businesses, for uh, you know, people who want to invest in Connecticut. Um, so I think what had happened was in 2022, people said, all right, Scanlon, you know, you're right. We should probably do this. But why don't we start with 250? Because that's kind of a modest thing that we can afford. It'll cost about $125 million, whereas your full plan costs $300 million. Let's see how it goes and let's go from there. Well, we saw how it It worked. It's helping people. And now I'm urging my colleagues, former colleagues, to uh, really think long and hard about the importance of making this permanent. There's a lot of different tax proposals on the table right now. The governor has a very large income tax cut that he's proposing, and I support that. I do think that we need to put together a holistic approach to it and balance out our tax code by a number of different tax cuts to the people on the lower and middle class of the spectrum.
2: So your proposal is to create a permanent, fully refundable child tax credit, correct? Um, For 250, and that's different, slightly different than the previous program because it was a rebate, is that correct?
1: So no, I support a $600 fully refundable child tax credit on your income tax. We ended up doing a $250 check rebate last year Uh, And there is some debate going on in the legislature right now about whether uh, the rebate versus the check is the right way to go. However we do it, as long as we're getting relief in the hands of working class people, I think we're doing the right thing here in Connecticut.
2: So, as you mentioned, Governor Ned Lamont has taken... a. a a, similar, a different approach um, in providing relief to the middle class. He's proposing as part of his budget an income tax reduction that you just spoke to for families earning less than 150000 as well as increasing the earned income tax credit. So you're, you're really talking about looking at a holistic approach in a way, like let's just give as much relief as possible. Um, is there an impact or consequence of going in either direction um, based on what the governor's uh, budget has laid out?
1: Well, again, we have a historic surplus of over $1.5 billion in the current fiscal year and a $3 billion plus rainy day fund. So um, all told, you know, we have a significant, uh, you know, surplus here in our state. And I do believe there's a way to do all the above. Right. I believe the earned income tax credit. I was the lead sponsor uh, to bring it up to where it is today at 30.5 percent, one of the highest earned income tax credits in the nation. It's a program that works. We know it works. But that only affects 200,000 or so people. It's a big deal for those people. It's a big deal for our workforce. But I've never believed that there's one silver bullet solution to tax policy. I think tax policy, um, when you look at it from a broad-based way, um, there are many different ways to get at what you're trying to do. What we're both trying to do, the governor and I, is to make Connecticut more affordable. I talk to him all the time about how we can do that. I was the biggest proponent of his big tax credit that we did uh, last year and passed the biggest tax cut together. Uh, And I'm working with him this year again. And I'm confident that we will find a way um, to do a number of things, whether it's the child tax credit, the EITC, and his plan, or some things that the legislature is also discussing. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing or an either-or. I think we can do everything.
2: So you touched on this a little bit earlier because as a controller you have a bird's eye view into the revenue and economic outlook you know for the state and the tax the governor's tax reduction proposals would amount to about 550 million in revenue reductions as I understand and it's a little bit less clear what the fiscal impact would be on the child tax credit but just based on 2022 it looks about to be like close to 125 million or so Um, It it sounds like you think that Connecticut can afford to do both. Would there be any circumstance that the state would need to pursue revenue raisers in order to provide sustainably, as you were talking about, like with permanent programs? Would there have to be some kind of revenue raisers there?
1: So I don't think that we need to raise any revenue right now. Uh, I think that we should be focused on how to cut taxes. In the long run, though, I do believe that we need whole scale tax reform in Connecticut Um, We've done tax incidence studies as recently as two years ago that showed that those making the least pay the highest burden when it comes to tax incidents in our state. That is of course something that I think we need to solve in the long run. Um, But we're in a fragile moment here in Connecticut in the sense that we finally have gotten out of this permanent fiscal crisis. We're finally starting to see some serious job growth and we have a good fiscal situation that I think what we really want to see happen is a decade of growth here in Connecticut. We haven't seen economic growth in a long time. I think focusing on lowering uh, taxes, making Connecticut more affordable and driving economic development and business growth in Connecticut will set us up for success. Um, when you look at other states across the country who have seen population growth, it's because they're making it more affordable to live there, to start a business, to raise your family, to do all those things. And I think that there's a really big corollary between What all of us want to do, which is to do a a decade of growth and tax policies that benefit young families and young parents to bring them back to Connecticut if they moved away and to bring new people here to work at our great industries.
2: So what's at stake if Connecticut can't move forward here, especially when you look at other proposals by nearby states? For example, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is proposing to double the maximum refundable per child credit to $1,000. There's another um, proposal in New York by a Democratic senator pushing a bill to provide families a $500 child credit regardless of income. What happens if Connecticut doesn't move ahead?
1: Then shame on us. We know what works. We know that this worked in Connecticut. We know it worked from the federal level for hundreds of thousands of families in Connecticut. And we have to look at that budget, as I said at the beginning, as the president does. Um, It's a reflection of our morality. And if we can't get together as Democrats and Republicans in Connecticut and do something that we know will help make it easier for families to raise kids here, to give those kids enough food to eat, to make sure that that kid has the school supplies that they need to go and learn in a classroom, warm clothes to wear at night, and heat in the oil tank and gas in the tank to drive them to school. Uh, I I think that we have really let those kids down. Um, And there's a number of policies, and I'm a former lawmaker, so I know Every one of my colleagues has good intentions and good ideas to help people, but there are very few ideas that have been proven and tested to work like this one. And I think that we just have to get behind the things that work. We can afford to do it. We know how to do it. And now we just have to actually do it.
0: That was Sean Scanlon, Comptroller of the State of Connecticut, speaking from his Hartford office with Bloomberg Tax Reporter Donna Borak. And that's it for today's podcast. You can find up to the minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax is produced by myself, David Schultz. Rachel Daigle is our editor and our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening.
3: Hello, podcast listeners. If you don't already know On The Merits, our weekly podcast devoted to legal and government news, It's a show that features the very best of Bloomberg Law and Bloomberg Government, newsrooms that boast among the largest number of credentialed journalists in DC. When you listen to On the Merits, you'll hear about the groundbreaking developments in the courts, in Congress, and in the alphabet soup of federal agencies that run Washington and our nation. Our show is by and about legal and government policy nerds, and we say that lovingly. It's a nerd's eye view of what professionals in the legal and government space need to know. But you do not have to be a nerd to listen. Check out our show on the merits and find new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find our archive of shows at news.bloomberglaw.com podcasts.